Chapter 27 Israel versus the Jews uh, Considering the last chapter <clears throat> where we were dealing with light being replaced with darkness one of those of course is the truth between Israel and the Jews. Unfortunately one of the greatest stumbling blocks to understanding for the Bible-based religions is the teaching that the Israelites and Jews are one and the same. They most assuredly are not. That idea is just more deception prompted by the adversaries of Yahweh and his chosen people, Israel. The Jews are descended from the tribe of Judah, which is only one of twelve sons of Jacob. In fact, the tribe of Judah, or the Jews, was one of the smaller tribes, with Ephraim being the largest. Joseph split into two tribes, Ephraim and Manasseh. In fact, to say all Israelites are Jews would be the same as saying that all Americans are Nevadans. How silly. The main difference between Judah and the other tribes of Israel was the tribe of Judah was prophesied to not lose his identity. That prophecy has held true to this day. Judah was also apparently ordained to protect the oracles or the Torah of Yahweh. That is in Romans 3.2. In the Old Testament books of Kings and Chronicles, we find the nation of Israel, originally 13 tribes, Judah being one of the tribes, having split into two nations. The southern nation became known as Judah, or the Jews, consisting of three tribes, Judah, Levi, and Benjamin. The northern nation, called Israel, consisted of the rest of the Israelite tribes, or ten, and was by far the larger of the two nations. But it's also taught in Christian circles that the northern tribes of Israel were scattered and lost after being conquered by the Assyrians, which prompts an obvious question. Did Yahweh, the greatest power in the universe, really lose ten tribes of his chosen people? But what kind of an inept God loses his chosen people, especially when it's stated that he has named every star which has to be in the trillions? If your God lost ten-twelfths of his people, might I suggest you find a more powerful and less bumbling God? That said, let's take a look at what the great Father Creator, who hasn't lost any of his people, tells us in Amos 9.9. He says, Therefore surely I, that is Yahweh, will command and sift the house of Israel, that is the northern ten tribes, among all the nations as grain is sifted in a sieve, yet not the smallest grain shall fall to the ground. In fact, Revelation 7 also proves that Yahweh has not lost those ten tribes. Besides, Yahweh promised Abram he would father many nations with population as numerous as the sand of the seashore. That's the reason Yahweh changed his name to Abraham, meaning father of many nations. But Israel did not become a multitude of nations anciently. They were only two. In fact, those two nations of Israelites even waged war against each other in 2 Kings 14. But one thing's for sure, there were only two nations descended from Abram in ancient times. Unfortunately, the lie, the Creator lost most of his people, not only discredits him as an incompetent, bumbling God, but as an excuse to elevate the Gentiles, that is the non-Israelites, to being Yahweh's default substitute people. Yes, Yahweh has plans for the Gentiles as well. They can embrace Yahweh and his Torah and become spiritual Israelites, or they can simply wait for the ultimate plans I'm convinced Yahweh has for them as Gentiles. Israel and Judah were scattered around the earth just as Yahweh prophesied. But again, you can bet not a single one of them was lost. 
Now, since then, the tribes of the northern nation of Israel have grown into many great nations, commonly called the West or the Christian nations. For the record, there's one, well, many actually, who truly desire Israel to be lost from history, which, of course, is the dragon and its cohorts. Knowing modern Israel will be instrumental in leading the world to Yahweh, his realm and family, is why the evil ones are so desperate to lose and or destroy them. Understanding who the modern Israelite nations are may not seem particularly important except in understanding the prophecies. For that, understanding who's who is an absolute must. You see, it's Christianity's rejection of this major truth that's one of the chief reasons there's such ignorance as to what is happening on the world stage. That said, the bulk of Israel, or non-Jews, in prophecy are usually referred to as Israel, Jacob, and or Ephraim, while the Jews, that is the tribes of Judah, Benjamin, and Levi, are always referred to as Judah or Jews, not Israel. Interestingly, the Ezekiel 37 prophecy of two sticks tells us of a reuniting of the tribes of Joseph uh, and Judah. Because of prophecies in Genesis 48 and Deuteronomy 33, we know the two sons of Joseph, that is Ephraim and Manasseh, would become two of the greatest nations the world has ever seen, both in power and number. The descended Israelite nations those prophecies constitute have been fulfilled through the British Empire, meaning covenant man in Hebrew, and his younger brother, the United States. This younger brother, or Ephraim, was also prophesied to become a company of nations or states, and even more prosperous and more powerful than his older brother Manasseh. For anyone interested in learning more about the greatest identity theft of the millennia, can find a myriad of books and studies on the subject, many by a man named Yar Davidi. Unfortunately, there is an unseen power doing everything possible to keep this fact from the average person because the evil ones know it's modern Judah and Ephraim that leads humanity into Yahweh's domain, i.e. the New Eden. Actually, it was the Jews who first rejected diaspora, that is the scattered ten tribes, as being gone. In fact, the parable of the prodigal son is addressing that precise issue. Prodigal son was the northern tribes that wasted their inheritance among the Gentiles, while Judah was the faithful son who stayed with his father Yahweh. The faithful son Judah was very unhappy with his father's reacceptance of his lost or returning brother. Not only did the Jews refuse to accept their brothers in the first century, but still to this day, considering they refused to allow non-Jews, uh, that is other Israelites, to emigrate or aliyah into their new modern nation they call Israel. Actually, if they were honest, they would have named their modern nation Judah. Unfortunately, they have stolen the name or the title of their father Israel to themselves, which they have no right to do and will answer for. The truth will eventually come to light when Ezekiel 37 prophecy of the two sticks of Israel being re reunited occurs. That said, it's quite interesting to see the Jewish population in the U.S., that is modern Ephraim, is close to the same number as the little nation of Jews erroneously calling themselves Israel. In fact, this century is the first time since the Assyrian captivity the ten northern tribes have been reunited with such a large number of Jews. Considering the United States has proven to have a population mix of all the Israelite tribes, it can logically logically be argued the Ezekiel 37 prophecy has already come to fruition. But getting back to the Jews rejecting their scattered brothers, we find an example in Paul's New Testament confrontation 
of Peter eating with those of the lost tribes, the Jews called uncircumcised and or Gentiles. That account is proof the Pharisees and the Jews in general considered them Gentiles. In Acts 10, we find the apostle Peter praying about it. He had some of those so-called Gentiles or uncircumcised coming to him, such as Cornelius, who, with the Roman name and having been conscripted into the Roman army, was automatically labeled a Gentile by the Jews. The Romans forced all the vassal nations they conquered to serve in the army. But before Peter could meet with Cornelius, Peter was given a vision of a sheet of animals being lowered from heaven. The sheet was tied at the corners and was full of unclean animals, with a voice saying, Rise, Peter, and eat. But Peter responded, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. But then the voice came a second time, instructing him, saying, What God or Yahweh the Father has cleansed, you must not call common. When Peter met Cornelius, Cornelius reminded him the Jews were prohibited from eating with Gentiles or uncircumcised Israelites. But Peter told him, Whom the Creator has cleansed, no man can call common or unclean. There is no doubt these people, Peter and his fellow apostles, not Paul, were meeting with were of the diaspora or the scattered ten tribes, by what we read in Matthew 10, 5-6. There it says that Yeshua sent out his disciples, telling them, Do not go into the way of the Gentiles, and do not enter a city of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He adds to that in Matthew 15, 24, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Of course, that's the lost, so-called lost and tribes. Again, we have additional proof the Jews considered the Israelite diaspora Gentiles with Paul's actions in Acts 11.3, where he says those of the circumcision, which of course is a reference to the Jews or Pharisees, accusing Peter, you went into the uncircumcised men and ate with them. Interestingly, we know one of those of the circumcision was dear old Paul, considering his bragging to his congregation in Galatians 2, that is verses 11 through 14, about getting in Peter's face for his eating with Gentiles, in spite of Peter's actions being justified with the sheet vision. It's quite fascinating the way Christianity stands with the Jews in their insistence that the northern ten tribe, Israelite tribes are gone forever, and or that Israel in the Bible is simply a reference to the Jews. But again, nothing could be further from the truth. And as noted at the beginning of the chapter, Judah, the Jews, was only one of the 13 tribes, and one of the smaller ones at that. Again, the largest tribe was Ephraim, the tribe that became interchangeable with the name Israel, as we see throughout the book of Hosea. Again, Ephraim was Joseph's son, actually Jacob's grandson. When Jacob was about to die and doling out the blessings to his sons in Genesis 48:14, he transferred Joseph's blessings to Joseph's two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. There it states that Israel, or Jacob, stretched out his right hand and laid it upon Ephraim's head, who was the younger, and his left hand on Manasseh's head, guiding his hands knowingly, for Manasseh was the firstborn. In the blessing of ancient times, it was the firstborn who normally received the greater blessing, which was always with the right hand. So when Jacob placed his left hand on the eldest Manasseh's head, Joseph became upset. And it says there, Now when Joseph saw that his father laid his right hand on Ephraim, that is the younger, it displeased him. So he took hold of his father's hand to remove it from Ephraim's head to Manasseh's head. Joseph was obviously trying to stick to tradition and probably thought his fa aged father had developed something like Alzheimer's or was just 
blind. But his father refused and said, I know my son, I know he, that is Manasseh, shall also become a people and he shall be great. But truly his younger brother shall be the greater than he and his descendants shall become a multitude of nations or what we call states actually. When in ancient times did Manasseh and Ephraim become a multitude of nations? Well, never. Obviously those blessings were for a future time, well beyond what those people achieved back then. Before going on, let's step aside and investigate the interesting fate of the daughters of King Zedekiah to illustrate the way Yahweh works with his people. In 2 Kings 25, we find Zedekiah, the last king of the southern house of Israel, that is Judah, or the Jews, being besieged in Jerusalem by the Babylonian king Nebuchadnezzar, who eventually conquered it after a three-year siege. When King Zedekiah re realized Jerusalem was about to fall, he escaped through a tunnel and made a run for it, but was eventually captured in the plains of Jericho. Even though it isn't chronicled in the Bible, other books such as Josephus document how the prophet Jeremiah was not taken captive by the Babylonians and took Zedekiah's two daughters, Tepi and Skota to Egypt and then on to the British Isles. He also brought the ruling scepter of King David, who was prophesied to be the permanent king of all Israel, at least in two Bible prophecies. Jeremiah also supposedly brought Jacob's pillow stone, which was placed under the British throne, becoming known as the Coronation Stone or the Stone of Scone. It eventually was taken to Scotland where it remains today. It's obvious where the name Scotland originated, which is Scota. But it's a well-known fact the royal family of England descended from King David. We find that chronicled by Sir Lawrence Gardner, her, uh, the king's, uh, well, well, anyway. Again, it was prophesied to King David that the throne or the scepter would never leave his family as we see in 2 Samuel 7.15. Since that prophecy of a descendant of King David seated on his throne forever has proven true to this day, why would we not expect the prophecies of Ephraim becoming a multitude of nations or states not also be true? Manasseh, the old elder brother of Joseph, was also powerful, that is, world-dominant and wealthy, as well as being a company of nations, if we recognize all its colonies as its nations. But again, the United States became a much more powerful, prosperous, and numerous than Great Britain ever was. But Britain and the U.S. are not the only modern Israelite nations. Again, virtually all the Western nations are as well. And that's not all. Israelite migration experts such as Dr. Stephen Pigeon make an amazing case as to how many of the Native Americans are also descended from Semitic or even Israelite people. To wind down this chapter, the reason the adversaries... Uh, want the ten tribes gone, well, all twelve actually, is again because they are their ordained purpose in the great plan that Yahweh has ordained for mankind. The Creator Yahweh has had this glorious plan for mankind from the beginning. The feast rehearsals of Leviticus 23 teach us that plan, but there is much more. We find a scripture in 1 Corinthians 10 verse 11 adding another level of understanding to those feast rehearsals. It says there, now all these things happened to them as examples or types, and they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. That scripture is not referring just to the feast per se, but to the whole playing out of what ancient Israel did and experienced. For instance, it was Joshua and Caleb that led the people into the promised land. 
Joshua was an Ephraimite and Caleb a Jew. The physical promised land of ancient times was just a physical type or rehearsal of the real one modern Israel is going to be led into. Considering an Ephraimite and a Jew, Joshua and Caleb led the Israelites into the ancient promised land, why would we not expect a modern Joshua and Caleb to lead modern Israel? Personally, I don't believe it will be just two individuals this time, but a remnant of those two nations. Since an Ephraimite, or modern U.S., was the leader, is it not any wonder why the spirit adversaries have been so diligently working to get rid of the U.S., which they call the Great Satan? Of course, that's after they get rid of the Little Satan, which is modern uh, Israel or Judah. What's about to go down, modern Israel will be humbled, that is, by the Day of Atonement in real time, and then led into the New Promised Land. They will then be filled with Yahweh's set-apart spirit, as we're told in Ezekiel 36. For I will take you from among the nations and gather you out of the countries, that is, the modern Israelite nations, and bring you into your own land. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and I, you will be made clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you, and I will cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will keep my judgments and do them. Of course, that's something that has never happened in the past. Ezekiel 36 shows the birth of a whole new world and era, beginning with Israel returning to Yahweh. Isaiah 42.6 tells us Israel will finally be a light to the world after being led into the new promised land, that is, what I call the new Garden of Eden, in the very near future. To see this laid out in detail, read the countdown chapter in the Grand Transdimensional Delusion.